Hello, Kachimbona listeners. I'm really excited today to unlock a interview that I did for patrons only last year. Um, and it was with one of Denise, one of the members of the Arizona Three, who were three University of Arizona students who stood up to a to Border Patrol presence on their campus and when they saw that Border Patrol agents were on campus, they engaged in public protest to try to voice their opinion and to get them off campus. And this is something that I do occasionally. So I have the lit review, which patrons pay for, but then also there are sometimes patron-only episodes like this one that also incentivize you to become a patron. So even though this was recorded last year, unfortunately, the interview is just as timely as it was then. This The actions of Border Patrol are continually in the places in which they have a presence and in which they engage in enforcement actions continues to be a problematic presence for undocumented individuals who are trying to access various civic services. So there technically is a uh, a policy that the Department of Homeland Security has, including ICE and Border Patrol, which is a sensitive locations memo in which they state that they will not conduct enforcement actions at, quote, sensitive locations. And so this includes schools. And yes, this is all schools, K through 12, including colleges like the University of Arizona, and also spanning to adult and alternative schools. Moreover, this sensitive locations memo applies to places of worship, hospitals, and places where public religious ceremonies are happening. For example, a wedding or, I don't know, a baptism by the river. <laughs> Whatever. And also public sites where demonstrations are occurring, which is notable because, right, that's hearkening that's, uh, to the First Amendment. The First Amendment, which protects people's expressive activity. And notably, this policy does not include courthouses, which by the logic of the memo should necessarily be included. So I think the what these locations have in common is that they're places in civic society that we kind of need to go to to navigate. And so undocumented people shouldn't feel deterred from you know, enrolling their children in school or going to a church to worship or going to a hospital to get care. And the courthouses play similar roles in people's lives. Um, You know, people don't go to courthouses voluntarily and they either go to to vindicate their own rights or, or they're compelled to go by subpoena. Either way, it's another institution that undocumented individuals should have access to. And unfortunately, you know, there's been very public arrests of that ICE is engaged in in courthouses, which has outraged people, including judges. Um, there was a judge that actually in in Boston, Massachusetts, that helped some an undocumented individual who was before her court leave when when she was informed that there was ICE presence there, prepared to arrest this individual after this this civil hearing. 
And the, the specific aspect focusing on public site demonstrations got me thinking about how in this instance of Border Patrol interaction that I spoke with Denise about in this interview that you're about to hear, this was the Arizona Three engaging in protest. They were holding DHS to account for what they allegedly claim they follow. They, you know, this sensitive locations memo does not allow them to be conducting enforcement actions at the campus. And I actually think that this story that Denise told shows how the sensitive locations memo is simply not enough to control ICE and Border Patrol. I mean, first, just because um, time and again, these agencies demonstrate that they're rogue, lawless, and don't abide by their own internal policies. But also, they, you know, and also, these agencies have a presence at times, for example, in hospitals where they're technically not conducting an enforcement action because they are they are not in the process of arresting an individual, placing an individual in their custody. They're at the hospital, for example, because somebody in their custody needs life-saving care. Which also begs the question, if this person needs life-saving care, why are you detaining them in your squalid Yeleras, but it's another another issue. And then also similarly with this Arizona 3 incident, actually the, the students who were protesting were protesting because I believe Border Patrol had been invited to give a, for a career talk. And so that, and that's something that, you know, career services folks should think about. I mean, I just hope that through the very public family separation crisis, through a federal court finding that Gileras are unconstitutional and their conditions are unconstitutional, and the very public immigration nation that publicized how cruel ICE is, that folks in career services take a stand and don't invite ICE and Border Patrol to your campuses for a career day. Don't, don't encourage people to go to those agencies. Don't. So I'm saying all this to say that this memo is deficient and deficient in it wouldn't have given any kind of legal protection to to the Arizona three protesters in this instance and technically wouldn't have been a violation of the memo if because they were there for career day. They were not there for an enforcement action. But again, it the the idea behind the memo is that undocumented people should not feel deterred from accessing these necessary civic institutions. And Border Patrol and ICE should be self-aware and understand that just simply the sight of their vehicle incites terror in undocumented communities, mixed status communities. And so it doesn't matter if you're, you know, allegedly just there to talk about joining your ranks see your car your presence on campus that scares undocumented students and it's particularly offensive that the university of arizona did not step in and for its undocumented students because it gets money from as for being a quote-unquote hispanic serving institution and it's it's disgusting that it takes that money and then doesn't actually serve its latinx community its undocumented community yeah, this is this is an ongoing problem, particularly in, during the pandemic, where undocumented people have needed to get to hospitals. And so there was an instance of a Border Patrol truck sighting at a COVID testing site in Tucson. And 
this was relevant because it was, again, another situation like I was just explaining where they weren't engaging in an enforcement action, but they were taking someone in their custody to take care and very conspicuously parked their cars at the front of the hospital so that if you were getting if you were getting in line for the covid testing you would see their vehicles and again they need to have self-awareness like you all incite terror i mean you must understand your terroristic tactics scare people you know you there should be a sensitive location like hospital policies should not allow for vehicles to be parked in such conspicuous places and doctors and nurses really need to step their game up and recognize they don't always need to acquiesce what ice and border patrol want ultimately it's bad for public health to be deterring undocumented people from getting covid testing it's unfortunate that i still don't think that we get it that we are interdependent of each other that does not matter if one person is documented or not in your community these folks live with you, live with us, work in the community and navigate this physical space with us. And they need to be included in the COVID prevention plan and they need to be vaccinated. Yes. And they need to have access to health care and Border Patrol presence on hospital, visible presence of Border Patrol agents at hospitals makes that more unlikely. Again, I'm just thinking about how, despite having this this clause where it says that public sites where demonstrations are occurring are exempt from this memo, I do need to say that DHS regularly arrests undocumented activists at actions as retaliatory and intimidation tactics. Like, of course, what happened to my good friend Alejandra Pablos when she was targeted for her activism in Virginia. Anyway, I, I recorded this little intro just to say, this, y'all, is an ongoing issue. Wouldn't it be great if... Recording this, I would say, oh, this, this interview is irrelevant because Border Patrol was abolished. Uh, not the case. Not the case. Before the interview, I just wanted to really quickly give my recommendation since I didn't do it at the end of the episode. So I'll just give it at the top. My recommendation for this week is The Crown. I know that it's already hyped, but it I don't know, you might be like me who hesitated to get into it just because the first few episodes are a bit slow, but it's actually a really well done period piece if you enjoy that. So just stick it out for the first few episodes and it'll be worth it. All right. I hope you all enjoy this episode. And if you want to support Radio Cachimbona, if you would have wanted to hear this episode right when it first came out hot off of the audio editing software... <laughs> then you can become a patron if you become a five dollar patron you get two exclusive episodes a month and if you are a ten dollar cachimbona patron then you get new episodes every week and new exclusive episodes every week and i first i just want to say thank you to the current existing patrons you're so amazing and i know that y'all work so hard for your money so if and i know that we're in a whole economic disaster because of covid and because of the fact that congress has not passed a second stimulus bill so n absolutely no worries i understand and if you want to help out in a non-monetary way something that really really helps is leaving a rating and review on itunes apple podcasts or really anywhere where you listen to podcasts but i know most of the folks listening do listen on apple 
and also joining or sorry also <laughs> following Radio Cachimona at Radio Cachimona on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and also just spreading the good word. If you enjoy this episode, share it with a friend who you think needs to know why border patrol should be abolished. All right, enjoy y'all. Hello everyone, I'm really excited today to have Denise, who's a U of A student, here today to talk about an experience that she had earlier in the year when Border Patrol came onto the University of Arizona campus and she decided to make her opinion clear about their presence on campus and it led to a very wild series of right-wing conservative media stories and also threats against your person and charges actually were brought on the part of Pima County and the U of A itself. So we're going to talk about that and also kind of what this incident I think explains about the U of A, its priorities, Pima County and their prosecutor's office priorities and the like just what it's like to be a Latinx student here in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you want to introduce yourself and just share like, whatever you want to share about <laughs> who <Yeah>. you are? <laughs> okay, so hi, my name's Denise. I'm a fourth year student at the U of A now, and I've been in Tucson for that long since I came to college. Where are you from? I'm from Phoenix, but oh, my family's okay. from Michoacan, Mexico. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what was your experience at the U of A before this incident? So my experience at the U of A... So like I came in, I started as a science major and a Spanish major. Didn't really like science, like it wasn't like doing anything for me at the same time. <laughs> I was involved in like Mecha, but then like I was like kind of like trying to get out more into the community and meet more people and see like, like how- outside of campus. Outside of campus, yeah. See how I could get involved and stuff. And then through there, I just started like meeting people, like making some connections, showing up to demonstrations or setting up for stuff or volunteering, just things like that. Those little things like never really like was a part of like an org or anything though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally I was like, you know what, science really isn't a passion or it just really doesn't feed my soul in any way. So then that's when I switched to Mexican American studies, like along with Spanish. And then that just started like just exposing me just to more of things I knew growing up, but just it added more like, you know, the statistics about it and just like real... I don't know, reports, like by no more debt, things like that, that I was just like getting exposed to things that were also very connected to like Tucson, you know, like all the curriculum is pretty much based in things that go on here. And even like in the my- curriculum of- Of Mexican-American oh. studies classes. And also in my Spanish major, I took this class for interpretation because mm-hmm. that's like my focus. And it was legal interpretation. And so that professor, all of the documents that we were translating were documents from the Jose Antonio Lena Rodriguez case. Mm -hmm. So I just had like professors and stuff. So for people who don't know, this is the case of the Mexican boy who was shot by a U.S. Border Patrol agent. And it occurred on the Mexican side of the border. And so, yeah, the agent was on the U.S. side Mm -hmm. and he was like up on a cliff. 
and essentially like shot down to this boy who was on the Mexican side. He was 16 and virtually all shots, you know, got him in the back. And his claim was that he was throwing rocks. Mm -hmm. So then, like, as a part of that assignment or uh, of that class as well, like, we actually had to go to one of the trial dates. Oh. That was happening on happening in Tucson because, coincidentally, it was happening at the same time as, like, that I was in that course. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The program sounds really powerful. And I interviewed Denise Rivera, who was a part of the Mexican-American Studies movement as a high school student and, like, preserving that for the, like, T the like Tucson's uh, Unified mm -hmm. School District and it's really cool to see that there's also a counterpart at the U of A and then also it's like really cool and justice oriented. Yeah and actually the because um, I was for against HB 2281 mm -hmm. um, and that was a part of like my curriculum in MAS too was learning about that so like I was just really like aware of just how Tucson is as a city I feel like it's really uh just like powerful and the people here are very like active and mm -hmm. stuff and then like the friends that I've made and like just like that are like badass organizers and stuff just looking up to them my initial like experience here you are kind of in this on this journey of becoming more aware about the immigration system and then there's this event can you talk about what the event was on campus okay yeah so well it was like an event there was like the career fair mm -hmm. and then well first in the like morning there was just like tweets there were like border patrols on campus like everybody be careful and then people were trying to figure out what was going on and then finally someone's like, oh, they're here for the career fair. Like the career fair, I think started at 10, ended at three or something mm -hmm. like that. And they're like, Border Patrol is gonna like be there. And then, yeah, so then when I went to school, I was just like, you know, steer clear of the union, the student union, that's where the career fair was being held. Cause I was like, I don't, you know, I don't wanna see that. You know, I don't wanna be near them or mm -hmm. whatever. And then I was sitting in class and then that same day, I believe it was March, 20th or 21st where like it had occurred mm -hmm. that same day like, I was sitting in class and I was receiving texts from rapid response and it was like we need help we need help border patrol agents are here it was like three and a half miles south of campus I can't remember the exact crossroads mm -hmm. like but it was like south of campus really close and they were like we need help they're taking a child and like her parents and then <clears throat> I was in class and I was frustrated because I was like I know I can't like, by the time I like left got to my car which is like a mile away on campus and then like there was nothing you know I could do and so but I stepped out of class and then I was like someone has to like have this like recorded and like I went on Instagram and like one of the organizations I can't remember which one was on live so I'm like sitting there watching this and there's community members yelling at border patrol one of them like laid in front of the border patrol car and was like you know they were like essentially like get out of here like leave this family alone like you guys don't belong here you know and so then I'm watching that and then like in the end like the video cuts off and then it's just they like rapid response text like they they like took them like no observers needed something like that mm -hmm. and it was just like oh my god 
I remember, I remember. I hate getting those texts because yeah. <laughs> it just feels like, it makes you feel very powerless as mm-hmm. like a community member. That reminds me of, I saw Border Patrol arresting somebody like that lived like a street or two over from me. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I was like already going somewhere for work. And at the time I was doing detained deportation defense. So I was like, okay, man, you need to focus on this case that you're already working mm-hmm. on. You can't be thinking about every single deportation mm-hmm. defense case in Tucson. But it was just really hard because I like cried because I felt, I was like, wow, I was supposedly this law degree, supposedly becoming a lawyer was going to make it so that I could help people. And ultimately, like, this problem is so large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and essentially that's what it was. I felt really, like, powerless. And like, I stepped back into class and I remember, like, I sat down and I was just trying to process what had happened. But then, like, the professor was like, oh, you know what, we're going to get out early today. Like, I remember, like, specifically. It's like, we're going to get out early today. I was like, okay. It's like the perfect confluence yeah. of events. So it was like you were meant to yell at these Border Patrol agents. <laughs> <laughs> so then I get, I, walk, I step out into the hallway of modern languages. Like, it's like empty hallway, you know, because like we have gotten like let out early. And then at this point, it's like past 4.30. So it's like, you know, career fair ended hours ago. So they should have left. Yeah. And career fair was like not even in that building. Like, you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. It's about into the hallway. So it could have been that they were there for another reason, or you know for sure they were from the career fair? No, I know for sure they were there for another reason. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know at that time. Okay. Like, so I, I look over, and then, like, the only two other people in the hallway are, like, two fully armed, like, fully uniformed Border Patrol agents. Literally had just witnessed this family get ripped apart, mm-hmm. and, like, three and a half miles from campus and now they're here so i was just like you know i don't know what they were there for at that moment i was like i don't know if they're here to detain somebody like i don't know what they're here for do the border patrol residents on campus i don't know if there's been any incidents that i'm aware of but the efforts to have clear restrictions on border patrol and for the university to take an actual stance Mm -hmm. have been like more than a decade yeah so what you know what i did like really wasn't like any real work because there was like real work that like people had already been doing for years I think the, the way that this escalated was that it brought a lot of attention to it where like they like the administrators at the university were kind of like forced to actually start talking about it mm-hmm. but the, you know the efforts have been there like even with past presidents there were students that came up with the language or like different policies and things mm-hmm. like that so there are policies in place there aren't there are not no. there are no. but people were fighting for, they've been fighting for that they've been fighting for them yeah and then there was just like also when all that happened like that was just weird like some people were saying like oh they're supposed to notify the university first if they're gonna come with in uniforms but then another half was no because they're on duty and any law official on duty can be armed and so there was just a lot of confusion like <laughs> yeah. even the Who's administrators oh, like just administrators yeah different well. like really people messy. like yeah you, literally it was really messy and like yeah there's still like no clear like rules so i'm like so then that's when we started asking you know so then we're like so then technically you're saying that Border Patrol like could mm-hmm. make arrests on campus. Yeah. And then like, essentially right now the answer is yeah, like they technically can, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's happened, but so and yeah, in that moment I was like, I don't know why they're here. It doesn't really matter, like, you know, this family's life just got interrupted. There's no way that they're gonna have a comfortable time here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my so, so yeah, and so there were three border patrol agents in the room and then what happened? No, there was two agents. Oh, two, okay. Sorry, yeah. two. Then that's when I started chanting into a classroom and then I was just saying things like murder patrol. Why don't you talk about taking the shoes off migrants when you find them in a desert? I was just 
saying yeah. little facts. Why don't you talk about this? Like, why don't you talk about that family that just got separated three and a half miles from here? Mm-hmm. And just things like that. And then, yeah, I don't know. They were saying different things like, oh, you're welcome to come in. And then I was just like, I'm not coming in, but you need to leave. Like, mm-hmm. you need to go. And then, like, that's when the other students started stepping in, like, started, like, getting in front of me and stuff. Like, and I literally, I'm like, in my mind, I'm, these students, I'm not here for you. Like, I'm here to make sure that they leave and that everybody's safe when mm-hmm. they do, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that was it. That's what I, all I was thinking. And, like, yeah, the two of the students called Wait, the so police. what were they doing, exactly? So, apparently, I found out, like, later they were there. Technically, like, it was, like, a pre- presentation, like, recruitment type oh, okay. for the Criminal Justice Club. Uh, oh, yeah, and then the the president and the vice president are their interns, you said? The UAP I interns? believe, yeah, yeah. That's what... <laughs> yeah, but this information didn't co- start coming out until way after, you know, where just, like, different parts got, were getting exposed as, kind of, like, suspicious, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Do you feel like the U of A did a good investigation or do you feel like these things that were popping up were other sources that were providing that information? I don't believe they did a good investigation since they never interviewed any of the Arizona Three. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they gave us the police report, I believe, like a month or a month and a half after everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they just kept saying, it's not ready yet, it's not ready yet, it's not ready yet. They ended up ha- handing us a 30-page police report naming nine victims they had went and like interviewed every single like person and then even so were the victims the border patrol agents and the students that's what i'm assuming since i put the names oh they're redacted yeah Yeah, they're redacted yeah so yeah and then (laughs) i don't even remember the students except for the ones that called the cops that's it yeah well it's (laughs) not fair to you because you were exposed in this really violent way and you i you were talking about how there were right-wing media groups like Breitbart who were who wrote yeah that was like stuff. the first people that grabbed the story too that like wrote a story on it was Breitbart and they had went and like I, I guess I went through my Twitter and like they posted this picture of me that I had on there and I had posted like my grades but I had like my schedule on there mm-hmm. but like from the last semester and they posted that too which was weird it was like why are you posting my information like that it's intimidation tactics of course but Did the report have your have personal information on it yeah like i have my name it said daughter of a of a phoenix hairstylist like it said all these very specific things about me wow yeah so yeah that was just really just got way over our head really fast honestly when other two people that were charged with me when we were there i don't think i don't know i wasn't thinking about anything else other than all students should feel safe on campus and I'm gonna make sure that they leave. That's all I was thinking. Like, they need to go, they need to go. Like, murder patrol. Like, to me, it just seems like your right to express yourself was criminalized. Yeah, and actually, coincidentally, that same, because that same week, Trump had signed the um, executive order protecting free speech. That's so ironic. But, you know, he had done that in response to students getting stuff over, like, MAGA hats. So Mm -hmm. then he came out with that executive order protecting protecting free speech i believe it was like the next day where like our demonstration had happened Mm -hmm. against the border patrol and then the very next day it was because it was two days of career fair just a bunch of us like i don't know a bunch of students like got together and did a demonstration like at the career fair because you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it was like so that happened the same week and then the next week was when the three of us got charged wow 
Arte del Cuento. So Arte del Cuento is the head of the Border Patrol Union mm -hmm. in Tucson. And how did he react to the protest? Ask about his role in amplifying the story because it wasn't just Breitbart, right? Like he yeah. also went on the radio and said really inflammatory things. Yeah, so Breitbart had written the story and it was still kind of, it felt very nonchalant to me at least because I didn't know what Breitbart was. So then people were coming up to me like, oh my God, like, did you see Breitbart wrote a story? And then I was like, oh yeah, did you see like, so did like, and then I would say some like little like publications, you know, like I was just like, what? And the, until somebody explained it to me, they were like, okay, think of Breitbart, like the Univision for like, <laughs> for, yeah, for, right wing, yeah, right wing, like, for, like extremists. extremists yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, like when you put it that way. Yeah. And so I was scared. Yeah. But it was still like nothing. It was just essentially like right wing people talking crap about me, mm -hmm. which is like whatever. But like the criminalization didn't come until it was like Arte del Cueto started putting pressure on. He had a meeting with President Robbins. And, the president of the university. Yeah, the president of the university. And then was also like questioning like why didn't the UAPD officers that were there that day, like why didn't they make any arrests? Like why didn't they do anything? And he was just on the radio making threats. If I was there, I would have like punched it in the face. And then was just saying out so outrageous stuff I swear they probably went through my Twitter and stuff because I want to have my Twitter like I used to have like pictures of my dog and stuff there like I had just gotten like this little pit and yeah because he, he he was on the radio like oh if uh, we should find out if she has any dogs without the proper tag so we can like take them from her like just like ridiculous stuff so scary and, yeah just started talking like a bunch of crap and then after that so it was literally a week and a half after the initial contact with Border Patrol where they had UAPD detectives come to our houses wow. and like to arrest us. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to talk about the first day you were telling me about where you mentioned that there were students of this criminal justice club who were, I guess, trying to get recruited into Border Patrol. I think that's another example of like white people calling the police for inappropriate reasons. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask about your opinions on that particular aspect of the situation. Yeah, it was just an interesting dynamic being there because, first of all, as I said, I didn't know what it was at first until they're all like saying like, oh well this is a meeting for the criminal justice club why don't you come in and i'm like okay so basically you all want to be like you know i'm like y'all don't see the problem with that but anyways like not wasting my time with y'all so i was just literally looking and chanting at the border patrol mm -hmm. and there was this one girl there and she was like i'm latina and like oh, I, have, no. I have a documented family member oh, family and as a latina oh. i get, and i remember i was just like i was like girl like no <laughs> sit down as a latina i was like you, know, so you can sit down i was like you can be quiet dude i was like because you are not the spokesperson for all latinx people yeah nor am i you know what i mean like and so don't come fronting like oh like, i can authority. speak yeah right and so she she actually like was like, I want to be a border patrol agent. No! Yeah, she was like saying all this stuff to me and I'm like, I'm literally not here for you, baby girl. Like, there's so many problems with that. She's like, she was saying, I want to fix it from the inside. No! Like, literally all this stuff. So it was like, I had her on one side. That's like, awful. she was literally like on like the left side. Ear. Yeah, in my ear. <laughs> and then there was a girl that was directly in front of me and which I believe she was the president of the club. Mm -hmm. And then she was the one that was like, well, we're going to call the police. Like, wow. I'm calling the cops. And I believe the vice president, which was this like white guy, and he was like the one on like, like on the phone, he was like, and then, like ready. recording me back. Yeah, recording me back. And I remember when when I was when I like turned myself in or whatever. Like they showed they had like these pictures on the 
desk and it was like of me chanting so like I'm like I know I was recording the whole thing but I'm like those videos are the ones that the like the other students took that they like gave to the police yeah. so I'm like wow yeah I just think that says so much about how much how little regard they have for their fellow students because they were like contributing to your criminalization were like oh evidence here you go like absolutely absolutely and then um, it was also those students that were they were like the ones leaking things to Breitbart and stuff yeah so I believe two of those students were like UAPD interns and if you're a UA employee like you can know how to work the computer you can essentially like reach everybody's information up to like social security like So it was just a very rough time, I think, for all of us. On edge, couldn't sleep. If, like, a car drove by, like, I'm, like, at the window, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so it was just, like, really, um, I don't know, it was really... It's hard. Yeah, it was hard. It was was traumatizing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Did you actually spend time incarcerated because of this related thing? No. You said you turned yourself in, but what did you mean by that? By that, I went into the UAPD office so that they charged me, like, officially. Okay. Because they were saying if we didn't, like, they were going to go, like, arrest us and put us in jail or whatever. But at that time, we had, like, a criminal defense lawyer helping us. Okay. So she was like you know what, like, we're going to go, and, like, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then, so we went in, and then when Marielle, she had gone first, she had gone and, like, turned herself in, so she was the first one that was charged. And then I went later that day, and then when I went in, they were, like, I signed it, like, whatever, like, the, <laughs> the paper, yeah. Yeah, the paper was, and then he was, like, uh, this was John Doerr. He was, like, Oh, and we have a warrant to take your phone and, like, any other electronic. Oh, my God. Wow. So they had gotten a judge to sign the most broadest warrant of they could take, essentially, any one of my electronics they wanted to, like, for whatever reason. Like, it was weird. It was... I still remember. Signed it. (laughs) It was signed. The the judge that signed it, because I was like, yeah, that's messed up. But they took my phone, and they had it for, like, a month. So then that would just, like, interrupt it. My like, academics, too, because then, yeah. like, that was, like, weird. Logging into D2L, like, they have this, like, second thing where they have to, like, call or text your phone to, like, log in. So I remember I was in class, and I was like, I was like, I can't do anything because I don't have my phone. The cops yeah. have it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, like, navigating all that was just, like, stressful. So from the beginning, it was just, like, you know, they charged us to keep us, like, silence us. Yeah. Because at that point, we had to be, like, much more quiet about our opinions and just any organizing that was going on or any protests that we were going on, we couldn't really get involved in because anything that we said or did could have been used against us in court. Yeah. And they didn't wait until the very day before that first court date to drop the charges. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just, it feels like the U of A prioritizes the well-being of a certain type of student over another because like you said this impacted your studies negatively and of course it would Mm -hmm. it's a huge stress in your life and i find it really disappointing and also i think really important to highlight because when all these like freedom of freedom of speech debates on campus the the narrative is always that they're the conservative students are being shut down Mm -hmm. by the crazy liberals who are part of this liberal establishment and it's really important to highlight the way in which leftist speech is silenced Mm -hmm. at a place like the University of Arizona, which has a weird relationship with TPD, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's why they were, like, talking about it. They were like, oh, you know, this is big and, like, everyone's watching right now because this is a First Amendment case and it's, Mm -hmm. like, the first time we're going to see how 
how this amendment is gonna prote protect or not protect the other side, right? This side. But at the same time, it was, you were three women being criminalized and like, you had like two brown women there that mm -hmm. were like, they were being criminalized. So it was also like a discrimination case and that's what like, a lot of people were like, we're not seeing, I feel it was like, no, we were literally discriminated against because we are like women and women of color. Because if you see what happened recently with students who attacked that black student mm -hmm. and like, saying derogatory names, UAPD's initial response was to send him to divergence. And of course, it wasn't until after like, public response and like protests and stuff that then they then like switched. Which was the same in our case, but like opposite, where like mm -hmm. people had a protest to stop the criminalization mm -hmm. of like us. Yeah, I think that's really absurd because if you like just compare your conduct, chanting versus physically hitting somebody and how you were treated more harshly, I think is really absurd and actually just shows like this is just racism. Yeah, and it, it definitely highlights just that the fact that the University of Arizona and the UAPD especially is racist as is all police forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're seeing the UAPD specifically. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but definitely UAPD's just been really, I feel like, really bold lately mm -hmm. and bold about those decisions. Mm -hmm. And you told me that the UAPD deviated from their usual practice because normally they would notify the dean of students if they were going to bring a charge against a student, but they didn't do that, right? Correct, and that's what we were hearing from. Or that's what the dean of students and like the dean of students, students, dean of students office. Sorry, dean of students office was also telling us they were trying to get information like during it, like right initially, right after we got like our arrests. Mm -hmm. They were uh, trying to find information, but John Doerr and like Ryan Seastone were like, just like, basically like, this is private invest, this is an ongoing investigation. We can't expose any details or whatever, but that was, that's, was really weird for the Dean of Students office because they were like, yes, like technically the U UAPD can follow protocol that way, but there was like kind of like an, unsaid agreement and mm -hmm. like that they usually always would notify them before they made any arrests or press any charges yeah that um, was the on practice. a student that was just the practice yeah. yeah but in policy they're allowed but it's yeah. strange that for it's only for you that they yeah exactly them. where they were like okay they deviated from practice yeah, yeah. Pima County also charge you? Or was that? So Pima County were the ones that charged me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So then at that point, the university had the excuse of, oh, we can't do anything anymore. It's out of our hands. Mm -hmm. It's at the county level now, which is why we had the campaigns or the flood calling ins to um, Barbara Wall's office. To Who's Barbara Wall? Barbara Wall is the district attorney for oh, Pima oh, County. Oh, to drop the charges. Yeah. Did the prosecutor ever relate to you why they thought this was an important case to charge? So my lawyer was like talking to the prosecutor on some like more on a personal account like hey like are you really gonna like go through with this and the way it was it was she was kind of like it's out of my hands like it's 
I think, honestly, I think it was like we became a political target mm-hmm. and it was the Border Patrol that was mad. And even that same week, Arthur, like Trump had tweeted that like, oh, just met with Arthur Cueto to talk about border security oh that same week. So I, it that's was just so very scary. just like, yeah, that same week when he was like, and like, and you're talking about border security, you know? So is it this is like so it's not funny, but it's funny that Border Patrol is so threatened by these three women. That's what I said. I was like, okay, I'm like five, five and a half in sweatpants and like, I don't Just know. Like, my views. Literally my backpack. Like I have my full backpack, <laughs> like so my scary. water bottle and stuff. Like I have all the, I'm holding all this stuff and I'm like, y'all, both of y'all have guns. Like, and then there was nine victims on the report. I was like, okay, how is that even like, possible? Like, and, I, and then I was trespassing on top of that. I was like, I was the only one that belonged there if you really think about it. Cause like clubs aren't really mandatory. I had class before and after that in that same building. Cause my entire Spanish major is in that building. That's what I think is so wild because when you told me that, cause uh, I know that they didn't go into specifics because it was, sounds like it was a BS charge to begin with, but the theory would have to be that you were trespassing because you were literally in a classroom that you weren't supposed to be in, mm-hmm. even though you're, but that really just yeah. doesn't make any sense because yeah. you're a student who pays tuition, you have every right to be. So then that's what my university. lawyer was saying. Yeah. She was like, I think they mischarged you. Like, <laughs> and it was like the, well, it's like they didn't just scare you. It feels like if it, mm-hmm. you know, cause that was the initial one. She was like, I think they mischarged you cause they had like mislabeled some of the charges too, like misnumbered oh. them. So then I think when the like actual report came out, it was disturbance of an educational oh, yeah. space. Yeah. Is but the original one was like trespassing, like that's what they said first and it was like but then got changed to the disruption of an educational space, which was also BS because it was all on video, like they had their whole meeting, I didn't disrupt anything. Like yeah. they went on with their meeting. Right. Yeah. And that was like what the whole case was depending on was like that this meeting got disrupted. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was how the U of A has recently been designated a Hispanic-serving institution, quote-unquote Hispanic. And, the, you know, this whole conversation has just made me realize how absurd it is that the gover- that they get government funds because of how many Latinx students go to their institution when they treat Latinx students this way, criminalizing you and not showing support for the undocumented students that I'm sure go to the U of A Mm -hmm. and just not caring for your safety and your well-being. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that was something that was getting brought up a lot during that time, those months, March and April, was this this just kind of goes to show, right, how the University of Arizona does not value us. Like, Mm -hmm. you value us to a certain extent, which is the extent of that word statistic mm-hmm. where you can claim like government funding. Yeah. Like that's the extent that you value Latinx students as. Mm-hmm. And then also like the undocumented students on campus, some of them are also Latinx. And, and some of those Latinx students have been a part of the, what I was talking about, like the policy making for mm-hmm. getting like stricter rules. Campus. Yeah, getting ICE and CBP off campus. Mm-hmm. And have been like blatantly just like ignored, you know? Yeah, yeah so universities should know that this has been a student population for decades, as yeah. you're saying. That's because that's how long the advocacy has been going on. Yeah, the advocacy has been going on for, I know, at least like 10 years for at least just that, mm-hmm. that, that part, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then just like 
where we sit, you know, we like say Antonatum land. Mm-hmm. We're also like a native native student serving institution. Oh wow. And which also the border patrol you know, the first of all, the border like cut the Hanatum nation in half. Mm-hmm. And then the Hanatum like people like have to live with like this increase in like pol- policing right mm-hmm. uh, like on their lands and yeah. surveillance yeah and this is like and you know this is something that has also been on the news and stuff just for like different things border patrol i know i, I like assisted a panel and like there was another student and she was the them and she was like talking about her experiences on the border and how the, like border patrol agents will just harass women like they'll be like oh we won't let you through until like you give me your number like little things like that mm-hmm. you know and then so it's like oh you sell a having like these populations indigenous students and the latinx students but it's like when it comes down to it y'all like they don't even they're like indifferent to you at best they're actually actively criminalizing you actively criminalizing us yep all right well those were the questions i don't know if you felt like there's something we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about um no okay cool well thank you so much for coming on and hope to have you back on the podcast later. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>